we give it up for the band right quick? Just the, I have to say, I'm super thankful for the gifts that God has given them. Something about just worship coming into, you know, the, the message that uh, I have the benefit. Most of the times I sit up front. I encourage you guys, if you ever feel it, just come up front. I get to hear you guys behind me, and you guys sound great also, by the way. You should give yourselves a hand. Uh, but I get the, yeah, exactly. I get the band up front, and I get to hear y'all worshiping, and it just, it makes my day. Uh, so welcome to week three of the series, The Good Work. My name is Justin Major. I'm one of the elders at LifePoint. Uh, if you're joining us online for the first time or in the room, I encourage you to go back and listen to the first two uh, messages that we've covered. Uh, so the good work, we're talking about Nehemiah, uh, Pastor Alex in week one, just brief kind of catch you guys up. He talked about uh, what to do when you can't take it anymore. So Nehemiah got the, the message about the plight of the Jewish people back in Jerusalem, the state of the walls, and it kind of broke his heart. He got down and prayed, and then he got up and went to the king and asked permission to go help repair the wall. And by God's hand, it was granted. And then moving forward, last week we discussed uh, kind of three realities of what happens when you pursue God's calling for your life and some of the struggles that you may face as you do that. So go back and, and listen to those. I'm excited to share week three. Uh, we had an elders meeting about a month and a half, a couple months ago, uh, where we were talking about Heart for the House initiative, the repairs that we're going to do outside, and... Uh, Nehemiah came up kind of he's the the biblical really contractor repairman like gets things going right he kind of gets a group of people together and moves towards a goal uh, and then I got to chapter three uh, and I knew that I wanted to be the one uh, to bring this to the church I, I told Pastor Alex I'm like I'll do it like I, I'm down and he uh, allowed me to uh, give you guys the message today. So let's pray as we jump into uh, these verses. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to just bring this message. Lord, I would pray that you would open our minds and hearts to the things you'd have for us. Uh, help us to uh, honor you with our words and deeds as we learn about this, Lord. I just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're, who are my list makers in the room? Be honest. Okay. A, a few of us. Uh, I know some of you, I dare to say, have probably made a list while in church. Maybe finish that grocery list. Maybe, you know, because you, when it comes to you, I'm not that old. I understand I'm not that old. But I have gotten to the point where I know there's certain things. If it comes to mind, if I don't write it down, it's gone forever. Or I'll spend 20, 30 minutes later trying to figure out what that thing was. So to save time, I write it down. Uh, you know, Ryan and I will make lists for the kids, for chores. There's millions of different reasons why people make lists. I enjoy crossing things off. I think that's most people. You like the, the feeling of accomplishment of crossing things off the list. Uh, there's top 10 lists. There's, you know, exclusive lists. You want to get on the list. Uh, today we're looking at a Bible list, a list in the Bible. Now I know my experience with the Bible, not all the lists in the Bibles are very exciting. Uh, Leviticus, it's the list of rules, right? Uh, not exactly an exciting list, but the list we're talking about today, uh, 
on face value, it's just a list, right? Nothing crazy. But I, the more I dove into it, it got me really excited about the things that a list can hold and what you can learn from a list. So you may be asking, what can I personally learn from a list? Well, I, when you think about it, there's not much we control in life, right? We, we can't control when we're born, uh, who our parents are, who our siblings are, uh, how long we're going to be on this earth, right? Like the dates on our gravestone. We don't really get to decide any of those things. But God knows. And we get to decide one very important thing, what we're going to do with the time that we have. And as we look at this list, we will find how people chose to spend their time. How we're remembered and what list we end up on is directly associated to how we spend our time. So the title for this week's message is, Am I on the List? Am I on the List? So Nehemiah's list of participants in chapter 3, it's in the walls rebuilding. Basically, it starts in one place and it just counterclockwise goes all the way around. I was amazed at how much there was to this list, how much to learn. If you like me, you want to live a life of purpose. You want there to be meaning in the things that you do. And as we dive into this list, I think you'll find it has it all and some tips to find that meaning and purpose that we all want. So are we ready to dive in? Yes. All right, if you're ready, say, let's do this. Okay, nice. Quick disclaimer, uh, I, I listened to the Bible app read this several times because there's some Hebrew words and they're a mouthful, so I'm asking for grace ahead of time as I stumble over some of these names, uh, but let's, let's get to it. Verse 1, Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as, far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hesinaah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Baana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to work under the supervisors. So we'll stop there for a second. Uh, it gets right to it, right? We dive right in. I pulled up a map. I found a map online just to give us context of what we're talking about, where, where this was. If you guys have the map. Um, okay, so a little small. You guys might be able to see it. So we're starting in the top left corner, which is actually the northeast corner. Uh, at the sheep gate and then it from there it goes counterclockwise and this got us to about uh, almost the somewhere in there you guys will find it uh, now keep in mind when we're talking about this wall just to add some context uh, it was about eight feet wide at its smallest point so think about eight feet wide up to 22 to 26 feet at the broad wall. Uh, most archaeologists agree that it averaged between 12 and 15 feet tall. And then the gates varied in sizes depending on the purpose of the gate. Those meant strictly for pedestrians uh, were a little smaller. Those meant for carts and animals a little bit bigger. Um, so as we're looking at those that made Nehemiah's list and thinking about how we live a life of purpose, 
Point number one is in the very first verse. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate, dedicated it, set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. So point number one, if you're taking notes, leaders go first. Nehemiah's list starts with the most important person of that day. Now, Nehemiah, while he had the vision and he came with the calling, uh, you got to remember for them, he was a foreigner coming in from someplace else who hadn't been living with them and kind of giving them this vision. The one that had been there the whole time with them was the high priest, the spiritual leader. I love, I love the translation. They went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. I believe this is one of the most critical elements for the undertaking of rebuilding this wall is getting the high priest, the leaders of the people on board and that they would lead from the front. General Norman Schwarzkopf once said, leadership is a potent combination of strategy and character, but if you must be without one, be without strategy. If you don't have character, you, you don't have much. And the character that the high priest and the priest displayed by not only stepping up and going first, but lowering themselves to a job that wasn't necessarily in their list of duties. If you guys study the Bible, the high priest building walls wasn't in the priest's job whatsoever. They had many, many important jobs, and building walls wasn't listed in there at all. Nehemiah had the vision and the calling, but the high priests led from the front. Knowing what needs done is easy, actually doing it, can be much more difficult. Kind of an interesting uh, additional point that will kind of feed into the next point. Uh, they started at the sheep gate. So the sheep gate represented kind of two things for that day, namely the sacrifice. The high priest's most significant priority and job was the sacrifices, making sure that that worship, that ability to worship in that way was protected, secured. So rebuilding that gate helped to secure that worship, the sacrifice, that duty. I'm thankful in the first two weeks, if you go back and listen, Pastor Alex uh, mentioned the concept uh, about leaders go first. He and Leah were the first to give to the Heart for the House initiative. And well before I shared my sermon notes that this was going to be one of the points he was already preaching leaders go first and taking those steps to be an example for it. Now, the interesting in the thing in the same section of verses that we read, if you go to verse 5, we find kind of the, the opposite of what the high priests are displaying. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. So within five verses of each other, we get a great example of character and leadership in the high priest and a poor example from the nobles of Tekoa. They wouldn't work. They were too good to listen to those in charge of building that section of wall, right? Can I share a very hard truth with you guys? So here it is. Everyone knows more about something than you. Think about it for a second. Everyone 
knows more about something than you. When I, I was uh, helping my daughter with uh, homework, she was probably second or third grade, whatever uh, world geography, whatever grade that is, and I was helping her study, and I came across, you know, how many oceans are there? And I asked the question, and she says, five. I said, whoa, no, nope, no, nope, there's four. There's four oceans. And she's like, no, Dad, there's five. And then she lists them all out, and she includes the Southern Ocean. And I was like, Southern Ocean? What are you talking about, Southern Ocean? So like anybody does, and because I like being right, I, you know, get the Google machine out, and I look it up, and sure enough, sometime since when I was in first or second grade, they added the Southern Ocean, and the United States recognized the Southern Ocean as an additional ocean. In that moment, my daughter, young daughter, knew more about something than I did. And now, it may not always be uh, a, you know, Jeopardy-type category knowledge, but they know. And when you fail to recognize that, you end up putting yourself, try to put yourself above everyone else. In Mark 10, Jesus makes this clear to the disciples that whoever wants to be great among them must be your servant. And then forget about being first. If you want to be first among everyone, you're going to have to be a slave to all. In other words, you're going to serve everybody. Now, you might be saying at this point, listen, like, I don't really lead anything. Like, there's nothing that I'm necessarily in charge of. You know, I have a boss. I have, you know, like, when I go home, like, if you're younger, you, my parents, you know, they tell me what to do. But I'll, I'll tell you, that's a lie. Everyone is a leader. Every last one of us. Now, you may not want to re, uh, acknowledge how you're leading, but you are leading. Now, think about it. When you walk into a room, the way you walk into that room leads everyone into that, in that room to believe something about you. If I, if I was up here, and I, you know, I was like, okay, guys, uh, you know, um, verse 3, you know, like, that would lead you to believe something about my confidence in the message, for better or for worse. Uh, you walk into a room like, hey, everybody, how's it going? Welcome to LifePoint, right? Like, it does something different for you, right? If someone says, oh, hey, how, how you doing? You know, or like, oh, slightly acknowledges you, right? That makes you feel a certain way. So we all lead at least, at, if nothing else, when we walk into every room, every situation, every conversation, we lead the way. Here at LifePoint, one of our uh, core values is that we bring the weather. Now, what, what's that mean? It's all about attitude, right? It's, it's that when we walk in to whatever situation, we can lead the way with a positive attitude. I think you'll find as you strive to bring positivity and God's love into every situation, you'll be leading monumental change in the lives of those that get the privilege of interacting with you. The, the, the love that we have, that God's given us freely, uh, it's meant to be poured out. And we have the ability to lead the way through that. So that gets us into point number two. So here, here we go. Another mouthful. You guys ready? Yes. Oh, come on. You guys ready? Yes. Okay. Verse six. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joeda, son of Pasea, and Mashalom, son of Besodea, 
They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Maladia of Gibeon and Jadon of Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Herahiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. I'll stop right there. Just Point number two is go to work where you are called. Now, verse 8, right? You have a goldsmith, and then you have a perfume maker. Two people that I guarantee didn't feel like wall building was once again part of their their job series, right? Something that they knew how to do. But they were called there, so they went to work. Okay, we keep going. Verse 9. Uh, Raphiah, son of Hur, ruler of half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Judea, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite his house, and Hattush, son of Hashabneah, made repairs next to him. Malchijah, son of Haram and Hashab, son of Pehath Moab, repaired another section in the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. In a day and age when women were more likely considered property than anything else, get a shout-out for building the wall. That's, that's another thing. This is a little extra. That's what I love about this list, is the way everyone who contributed is mentioned. Verse 13. The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zenoah. They rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate or the stinky gate. Because uh, that's where all the... They say that the wind, prevailing winds, would carry the smell away. So on that side is where all the refuse, all the gross stuff was put. Uh, so that was a mouthful, but we made it. I love this section because of two, as we're talking about going to work where you are called, there's, there's two specific ones that I love. So in verse 10, adjoining this, Judea, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite of his house. So in total, if you go through the, all of chapter 3, you see this six different times where someone repaired a section just right next to their house, right? Just right outside their house. That, when we're seeking a life of purpose and meaning and going to work where we are called, if I can be honest, I think some of us, uh, using the wall as the metaphor, I think some of us are trying to repair gates when we're being called to repair right outside our house. Uh, during Share the Love, this is my personal example, I know it is easier for me to feed a school than it is to feed the neighbor that keeps dumping branches and leaves over the fence onto my side of the yard. <laughs> Complete, open, honest with y'all. It is easier for me to do that, even though, praying through it, there is conviction and calling uh, to be the love of God to that neighbor, uh, despite how they... <laughs> may uh, dump their, their trash over on my side of the yard. I, I think if, when we are praying about these things, that's, that's the most important part. Uh, you talk for heart for the house uh, and the giving 
that, that we're challenging everybody for. Yeah, hard for the house. Uh, we have a goal slide. So in the same way the wall had, had many different sizes, right? We have this slide. It's many different ways to participate. More than anything, as we've communicated it, we, we want everybody to, to pray. First, to pray and ask God what, what he would have you give. And then second, listen and obey. I know listening and obeying is probably the biggest thing God has communicated to me over the years, namely as a parent, because the number of times I have to tell my children all I want from them is to them to listen and obey. Uh, I, it resonates with me because God's standing behind me saying, yeah, all I want from you is <laughs> you to listen and obey. Our goal is the same. Uh, it's maximum participation in, in first praying and then listening and obeying. Ryan and I have participated in uh, kind of sacrificial giving drives, uh, a few now over the years. Our church in Virginia, there are several. And I, I can tell you after prayer and fasting, I've gotten an answer from God about giving that made me sick to my stomach. Uh, not in the good way. Uh, it was a, a large number. And then I've also gotten an answer, full disclosure, that was zero. That God had already called me to something and was working on my life in something and wanted me to accomplish that and focus on that. So no matter what the answer is, first taking the step to engage God in prayer and then going to work where he calls you to. The other crazy part in this chapter is verse 13. The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zenoah. They rebuilt it and put its doors, bolts, and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. A thousand cubits, so 1,500 feet. Uh, there's two parts of this that are crazy. One, so they're mentioned in the list in Nehemiah 3, the same as everybody else. Residents of Noah, you know, rebuilt and put its doors and bars in place in this section of wall. Uh, now, when you look a little closer, the residents of Zenoa lived 14 miles away from Jerusalem. That's where Zenoa was. 14 miles. Yeah, so their section from the, it's the bottom right corner, the valley gate to the, to the dung gate, uh, the largest section of wall completed by any group. Uh, this group lived 14 miles away from Jerusalem. Now, for us, 14 miles, right, like, that doesn't seem like a, a large amount. But in a day and age when not everyone had uh, a vehicle or a horse to ride or a cart, uh, you were walking it, you were hoofing it. And, you know, even on a good day, depending on your health, the weather, all of these things, we're talking probably four hours, four to six hours, uh, depending on the group that you're going with. And that's, that's a long time. So in the event of an attack it is quite possible that you would never actually make it to the city walls that you're rebuilding in time. Yet, there they are, rebuilding the largest section of the wall. A group that would never necessarily experience the full benefit. They participated, and they got to work. I love these two examples because they're right next to each other. One group is called, or one individual is called right outside his house. Build this, this small section, just rebuild that. And another group is called to rebuild the largest section. Both are in the list. 
Both, are, both honored God with their effort. As we said with heart for the house, equal sacrifice doesn't mean equal giving. So, so far, what we found from this list are two things. Number one, leaders go first. Number two, go to work where you are called. And the last point today is let your work be zealous. As I was reading the chapter, preparing to teach, we, we find a verse that kind of sticks out because it's the only one like it in the whole list, and that's verse 20. Next to him, Baruch, son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Zealously repaired another section. It's the only place in the whole chapter that the word repaired built has a qualifier to it. How the work was done. And Baruch is uh, named with it. Now I wanted to know, you know, zealously, right? I, I wanted to know a little bit more. And so I, wanted, I dove into the Hebrew. I was already doing all the Hebrew names. Why not add another uh, Hebrew word to it? And the, the word is hehera. I believe I'm saying it right. Which the root of that word is to burn. And the other place that we find it in the Bible, it's used uh, with anger. So to burn with anger. And now it's like I have even more questions, right? Because you have this Baruch guy who's rebuilding this wall. And he's like, okay, is he, is he just like, like furious, like angry the whole time? And is, it, is Nehemiah mentioning him because it's, you know, it was, uh, became a joke around everybody that it was just like, oh, yeah, that, look at how angry he is as he works. Like, why is he so angry? Um, and I thought about times when I have completed a task or been doing work, and I was angry, or I got angry. And I, I thought back in, uh, in college, I had a condo that the, the kitchen, it was a tiny little place, but the kitchen wall, they'd painted purple. And so I, when I moved in, first thing I did was I, I it was, they had painted wallpaper purple. So I peeled off all the wallpaper, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll texture that. I'll, I'll get it done. Uh, and then I kind of put it off because I was worried, right? I had never done it before, and I had no idea, like, the job of texturing a wall, uh, what I was in for. And so I put it off, and I put it off. And then finally, I, it came time when we were going to be renting it, and we were moving to Virginia, and I had, I, the job had to be done. So I'm like, okay, I'll go get the stuff, look up, you know, YouTube was around, and so I found a video and tried to follow that as best I could. And I got about halfway done, and I, I did get angry a little bit because it was easy. Now, I don't, I don't say, like, it looked like, uh, you know, the, the Sistine Chapel or anything like that. It was just, it was just me plastering a wall. Uh, but it wasn't as hard as I had thought it, was, it would be. And I got angry, and I, I just felt silly that I had put this thing off as long as I did, and it wasn't that hard. And it made me think, did, was Baruch Field the same way? Because maybe he had, you know, maybe he had been the guy that's like, hey guys, we really got to rebuild this wall. Like, and he'd been saying that for who knows how long before Nehemiah got there. And then this Nehemiah guy shows up, and they're like, yeah, we should rebuild the wall. He's like, we're, I've been here saying it the whole time. Like, I, I don't know if that's another reason why he was angry. But even if we take the word zealously at face value, the Oxford Dictionary definition is with great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. 
either way, Baruch is the only one in the whole list who has the distinction of his work being recorded with a qualifier, how it was done. The band, you can join me up on stage. I don't know about you, but I want my work to have a distinction. I want it to be recognized in that way. You know, Justin, son of Rick and Gene, zealously repaired the message for Sunday. Um, but think about it. Like, I'm sure there's something you're pouring some time and effort into that you could do that with your name, your own name. Just think about that for a second, right? Think about that thing that you've been working hard on and, you know, like, Justin prepared the message for Sunday. You know, like, no, like, the time and effort, the prayer, the sacrifice, right, that went into that, it's nice to know when it's recognized. Now, I want the same for my work. I want the same for your work. When it's recorded, I want there to be those, those kind of qualifiers. Now, when I say this, I, want, I don't want to get anything messed up. Like, our work has nothing to do with our salvation, period, and stop. Uh, but it will be tested. And we learn this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, the foundation being the gospel, Jesus dying on the cross, his message of love, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, or hay, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now, this can be a tough lesson, because a lot of people have tried to associate the good and bad that we experience in life with the work that we do or don't do. That somehow, if we get sick or we lose a loved one, uh, we could have done something. We could have been a better Christian. If only we prayed more or came to church more or, or, or. But our works are all in response to the gift that God gave us. That's what they should be. The greatest gift God ever gave us was his son, Jesus. He died on the cross. And that gift is for every last one of us. It's a gift that when you accept it, it checks a box on that list. You see, when Jesus died and rose again, it generated a list with everyone's name on it. My name, even with my sin, is on it. Your name, with everything you've done, is on it. everybody's name. It's the list to end all lists to the greatest party the universe has ever known. But you have to accept the invitation. You got RSVP. And he made it really easy. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it with your mouth, Jesus, you are the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And I won't sugarcoat it for it. I won't sugarcoat it for you. 
Uh, that is when the good work really begins, but it's hard work. Jesus said to the disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So as you set out to live a life of purpose, follow God's calling for your life, look to the people on this list, the things we've talked about. Remember that all leaders, we're all leaders, every last one of us, and leaders go first. We lead the way. Lead the way in love. Lead the way in forgiveness. Lead the way in sacrifice. We lead the way. Remember, we all need to go to work where we're called because that's where you're needed. You're called there because that's where you need to be. You're called as a parent to, to love those kids. Those that, those that aren't parents, there's a kid somewhere that you may be called to love on that doesn't necessarily get that anywhere else. Go to work where you're called. And last, we want to do it all zealously with great joy, enthusiasm, effort. Maybe getting a little angry when we know we should have done it sooner. But then going to work and getting it done. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for lists. I thank you for your word and how, how in it you can show us the gospel through a list, Lord. You can show us what true leadership looks like in a list. You can show us our callings and how to move forward in them, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to bring this message. And I pray for all those here and listening online, Lord, that you would just be with them as they pursue your callings in their life. I thank you and praise you for everything that you've done for us, Lord. I pray for those that are traveling this, this day, Lord, that have been with family celebrating, that you would just keep them safe. Bring them back to us safe and sound. And let us just encourage those we come in contact with all week, sharing the love and joy that you've given us, Lord. I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.